Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Blessing in Divorce. I am so grateful to be allowed into your headset and day today. My name is Elizabeth and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner and founder of The Separation Club, which is the club you never wanted to be part of, but the best club to be in if you're going through separation and divorce. Here we talk about how to heal, move forward and find love if you're so inclined. Also, motherhood through divorce, finding yourself, and creating the life you deserve. Our tools are community, sisterhood, honesty, vulnerability, spirituality, and coaching, and that's when we aren't talking to our experts. I'm also a divorced mother of four adult sons, remarried, and a stepmom to three, so we will be talking about everything that goes with all of that here. If you are recently separated, thinking of separating, divorcing, or even beyond your divorce, but still feeling it? then this is the podcast for you. Hi, Cindy, and welcome to A Blessing in Divorce. I am so excited to have you with us today. Thanks, Elizabeth. Nice to be here. Thanks yeah, for it's, well, it's fun talking to other professionals who are in the same field, and we do a lot of the same work. But I think, you know, one of the things that you really focus on is the beginning, the the decision to make, to, to move towards a divorce, um, which is a really tough one. So, I would love to hear first a little bit about your story. How did you end up being called to this work? Thank you. Yes, I think, um, well, one obvious reason is I got divorced myself, which I think is what inspired me to start to help other people in this divorce space. And I think it also was a way that I could navigate my own divorce as I was going through it in a better way to equip me with some skills some communication strategies, different things that I didn't know as I was still navigating my own process. And I realized that there was this, you know, there's this massive gray space between those people who are in therapy, either contemplating divorce or they've decided to divorce and then jumping straight into hiring a lawyer, you know, and starting that really adversarial tend to be long drawn out and overly expensive process. Right. But there's Mm -hmm. nothing in between people think immediately once I've decided or my spouse has decided the first go-to person is a lawyer, but there is so much preparation and emotionally, um, financially, you know, socially, even with the family that can be done prior to getting yourself in going down that rabbit hole. I mean, yes, you're going to need a lawyer eventually at the end of the day, but you really can learn how to be strategic about when you start to engage this person that will help to keep things aligned in terms of the direction that you wanted to go and help keep your costs down. So as I, you know, discovered this whole world of going through divorce, it was never something I had envisioned for myself either after being with my spouse for over 26 years, 22 years, really together in a living, in a living married, like relationship. And then 11 years actually married. And there's this massive need out there for support that I feel now exists much better than it did for me five and a half years ago when nobody was talking about it. You know, you didn't talk about how unhappy you were. You didn't talk about whether or not you're thinking about having a, a going through divorce. And once you, you know, were going through it, it was just, you know, hell stories of yep. court battles and spending crazy money and destroying each other. So that's really what inspired me to do my training as a certified divorce coach. I learned so much in that training and how to help people. I also did my training as a certified divorce specialist. And then I morphed more into the relationship space as well and did my training at the Doherty Relationship Institute to learn how to be what's called a discernment counselor. But I use it as more decision coaching. We're helping people make a decision about the relationship. Um, And I'm also doing my Gottman couples therapy training out of the Gottman Institute. So there's lots going on in my world. I am passionate about relationships and, you know, just because I'm a divorce coach in no way am I an advocate of divorce. I think that if we do have the tools and we have the ability and the want and desire to rebuild and continue to, to establish a healthy relationship with your partner, then that's obviously the ultimate goal. But Hmm. That's, that's not always the best route for everybody. Well, it's, that is so true. And, you know, I've, I've definitely coached women as well who are going, who are making the decision. And I always say to them in the beginning, I am not married to either outcome for you. I just want you to find the right path for you. 
Um, of course, it's best if we can find a way to stay together. But I think what's unfortunate is also for people who are truly unhappy or they're in a situation that is not healthy in any way. And when they do reach out and start voicing, I'm thinking of divorce or I'm not happy. The go-to advice and support that people tend to get is, oh, but you've got to keep trying. Or isn't there something you can do to make it better? Or are you sure you're not overreacting? Or, you know, and I think actually probably women get that more than men do because there's this socialization around that is our job to keep families together and to nurture that environment. So, you know, I think it can be really tough for for anyone. I, I work primarily with women, so that's my reference point. But to to actually start voicing even, mm-hmm. I think I'd like to end my marriage. Like there's the guilt and the shame that's around that is tremendous. It, it really is because we as women, I think by nature are designed to look at, take care of everyone else's needs and wants mm-hmm. and, and feelings beside, and put ourselves last. You know, we are so concerned about what everyone else is going to think of our decision and how we're yeah. feeling that we put all of that in front of our own well-being. You know, what are the kids going to think? What are my family going to think? What's a friend's going to think? I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But at the same time, we just sacrifice our own well-being for the sake of others. And then I feel that what happens is we are trying to base a decision based on what everybody else wants that only breeds massive resentment in ourselves yeah. and that relationship that we're hoping to, to continue to hold on to and rebuild is not going to happen when our resentment is growing and building, even if of there's potential not. to do that. Right. There's also when we're trying to make everyone else happy, there's such an incredible disconnect from ourselves. Like there, mm-hmm. you know, we just become so yeah, disconnected from who we really are and what we care about because we're just prioritizing everyone else. And it's interesting what you say about resentment. You know, when I when I first realized that my marriage was, well, I've discovered my my ex-husband's uh, one-year-long affair and I was kind of trying to get my head around it. Um, so no decision had been made. He was kind of waiting to see um, what I was going to decide to do. But when you talk about resentment, because I started really thinking about all the, I guess, what I considered compromises and sacrifices that I had made over the years. I remember him looking at me one day and going, "You, every time you look at me, you look like you hate me. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I don't. But I said, I am really angry. <laughs> like, and not just about that, the affair, like about everything. Like it was just flooding in. And yeah. yeah, that's what happens when you're constantly pushing it away and constantly going, okay, no, that's okay. That's okay. It's okay that I'm not happy about that. Like, you know, that's what you're essentially doing. And I think when, when something destructive happens, like a, like an affair, for example, it really slams home. Yes. How much you've given up as well. Yeah. And I think too, you know, us as women and and we want to, when we start out young, we want to be seen as that great partner, right? We want to be loved. We want to be you know, oh my God, my girlfriend or my wife, she's just so awesome. Like she's just so easygoing and she just sort of like lets me live my life. And I remember wanting that to be that person. But yeah. then what happens when you're that person is you literally set the stage for, I call it like a backdoor accomplice. You're letting them do whatever they bloody well please. And you're accepting this at a different level than you should instead of really knowing how can I set some very clear and healthy boundaries in my relationship? Where is my bottom line mm-hmm. here? And how do I communicate that if this bottom line is crossed, not like it's an ultimatum, but kind of an ultimatum, these are the things I need in the relationship. And if these lines are crossed, then this relationship, no matter how much I love you is no longer a healthy place for me, but we don't do that. And I feel yeah. like post-divorce yeah. though we do because we oh, now yeah. know. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with someone just the other day about the challenges of uh, of choosing divorce. And and I think, you know, are we up against that boundary in our marriage all the time? Mm-hmm. But we ultimately don't draw the line in the sand because what does it mean? What mm-hmm. if that line continues to be crossed? We have to take action. So what's the point of drawing a line where we're not willing to actually yes. do what's needed, which is to leave? Exactly. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it's tough and there's so many factors, um, but I wanted to address, you know, let's let's provide some guidance, I guess, and some uh, something, a helping hand, a lifeline to women who are listening to this or people who are listening to this, who are 
not happy. What are some early, I don't know, early uh, thought processes or decisions or questions even that they can ask themselves that can help them make the decision one way or the other? Uh, yeah, I think that it's, it is so important that you do be very clear about the idea or of wanting divorce. Like, are you absolutely sure? Because a lot of times it can be based on our um, emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. It can be based on, on other things outside of our relationship that are happening right now that are putting a lot of stress on ourselves. Maybe we've got a, a sick parent that we're dealing with. Maybe we have someone living with us for a while. Maybe there's, you know, kids are going off to school and college, or maybe you have an issue with one of your children. And so there's can be a lot of strain going on, maybe for yourself too. You feel like you've let yourself go. You don't feel healthy. You're unhappy with your job. If we have to look first on all those external factors to say, are these things that are really getting in the way of my being happy with my partner? Because I mean, let's be honest, who's the first person we dump on when everything's going to shit, right? Yeah. It's the person we should be loving the most. It's yeah. our partner. And so if we were to really stand back and think, you know, what's going on in my life right now, in our life right now, is this impacting my feelings towards my, mm. my partner first, you know, and then going deeper with yourself about where you really are. So I typically go into eight deep questions with my clients about assessing how they feel in the relationship. So the first one is, do you still have feelings? For this person, like really real feelings in terms of, you know, that deep sense of love, that intimacy, that desire for them. Do you still have that in you or have you lost the love that love has maybe just changed to being more of like, I love them, but as a parent and not really as my partner, mm -hmm. you know? And do you have respect for them still, or is that lost because of either an affair or, or communication issues or whatever else that could be going on that has truly changed how you feel about them? That's huge. If, right. Yeah. I think, but if you have this underlying, like I really do still love them, there could be things that you could build upon. The second thing I ask them is, were you ever really married? Meaning you know, is your couple and relationship always referred to as an us or a we, or is it very much an, I do this and an, I do that in your relationship. I noticed in my marriage, my ex-husband was always, everything was uh, like, I'm doing this this weekend, or I'm doing this, or I'd hear him on the phone with someone and he'd say, oh yeah, like I'm going to be going to so-and-so this weekend. And I would be there thinking, hello, <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming, you know, like, are you doing this by yourself? Because his whole narrative was just around what I'm doing and, mm -hmm. you know, me, me, me. And so that whole disconnect was, it was never a, we, we were never, we were never making decisions based on what we wanted to do. It would have been his decision. And then he would tell me about it. It's interesting because so, that was very, very present in my marriage as well in my mm -hmm. first marriage. And yeah, I didn't pay attention to it for years, but then, yeah, the last probably handful of years, it was just like. It was, it was on Saturday morning. So what are you doing this weekend? And this is what I'm doing. Like, literally, we just, yeah. it was not even any more an assumption that we were planning this together. You're just living two separate lives at that yeah. point. You're, I mean, there's, there is one thing to be said about being independent, which I think is really important in having your own life in a marriage, but not when there isn't most of it is a we and us situation. Well, and there's still that, that part of going to your partner and saying, Hey, like the weekend's coming up. I, I really wanted to do this. How does that fit in with our weekend? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, Completely. okay. And so that, that sort of like I and me needs to shift to an us and a Absolutely. Really very basic, basic rule of any relationship. Mm -hmm. Then I asked them, are you truly ready for divorce or are you just threatening out of hurt and frustration? Because mm -hmm. there could be heated arguments that are still lingering, things that you haven't gotten over. And so we tend to use divorce as a threat, hoping to spur change in our partner, but, yes. you know, or as a wake up call, or they'll finally be taken seriously in order to gain power and control so they can, we can finally get our partner to see what we are going through. Yeah. But yeah. using this as a threat, using it's the so destructive. Threat, oh my gosh. It really is. It's like, it's like those little paper cuts, right? The more you yeah. use it, the deeper it is. And you can't go back from that because divorce. No, is and it's, those are the kinds of words that don't go away. You know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it's all fine to apologize after. So I didn't mean it. 
but those yeah. words don't go away. And I remember I'm remarried and an early fight after we were married. So we'd been together for a number of years and we were now married, but an early fight in our marriage, he used that. And he'd never said anything like that. And I immediately said, don't ever, ever threaten. I will take you at your word. Right. Like I will. I, we both divorced before, not yeah. afraid to do it again. Don't want to, but do not threaten. And he immediately backed off and apologized. He's like, I a second they left my mouth, he knew I shouldn't have said it. So that doesn't never been said again. And we've been married for 12 years. So, but it's a, uh, it's, it's a terrible threat. Right. Cause I think that if you are going to threaten that, you better be darn sure that you're ready for that. Consequence. Yeah. Because that's if that's the that. other person then says, you know what, I think I want the same, then that's it. Right. Done that. <laughs> no longer a threat. It becomes your reality. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to be ready for that. If you're going to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You really do. Um, then I also, also asked them, you know, is this a sincere decision based on self-awareness or is this emotionally reactive? Because if you are literally emotionally unattached from your partner, then it is going to be more of a, of a decision that you can make easier. Or are you looking at this as a way to punish them? It's emotionally charged. You're not able to truly let them go. And you really want to punish them for something that you've done. Then you're holding on to this from an emotional place of maybe, you know, retributive justice, or you just want to, you just want something for them to pay, you know? Um, and then what is your intent in wanting a divorce? Like really, what is, what is your agenda? What are you wanting from this process? You know, have you, do you want them to pay for how much they've hurt you? Do you want them yeah. to, you know, be alone? Cause divorce can only do one thing and that's end of marriage. So in doing so you're, you're freeing each person to make new attachments to new people. And is that really what you want? Because you mm -hmm. want you want actually them to be happier than they, than they can be in your marriage because you just can't give them what they need, you know, yeah. or is it, I want to divorce them because they need to pay and they're a terrible person. So yeah. they're better, oh. you know, best without me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And those are the eight. Or that's nine. almost eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, the another question is, have you resolved your internal conflict about divorce? So have okay. you been able to feel, you know, um, getting rid of guilt? Are you able to feel like you can understand what you, what role you played in the marriage Huge. and how this is broken down? You know, that yes. accountability piece is so massive when it comes to healing and even how it goes on. And then are you prepared for, you know, how this is going to impact everyone going forward in mm -hmm. a way that you can handle this process maturely and responsibly. Yeah. Because if you're coming at it from a place of bitterness and revenge and helplessness, you are only going to drive up the costs of your divorce and how long it takes and actually have a negative impact on the people around you. Yeah. So yeah. we really go into like looking at deep, those deep reasons. Like, are you ready? Because I don't think a lot, I mean, I would say most people even by the time they get to a lawyer's office, have done no preparation at all. I think I'm sure you're right. I think most divorces come out of emotions, as you mentioned earlier. And I also, um, I think probably one of the most important questions that I felt that you just out of the eight was the, what is your agenda? What is What is ultimately your goal? And it really, it kind of wraps up a lot of the other questions about, are you just trying to punish? Or what is your, you know, are you doing this from an emotional place? Um, I do believe that and a divorce, a decision to divorce is always going to be emotional because there's just so much attached to it and there's so much loss around it. But, um, and I don't know that there's ever a time where you, and I've said this to people, my clients too, you don't wake up one morning and go, you know what? I'm ready now. That that day doesn't really yeah. come either um, yeah. because of just, there's just, there's nothing fun about it. There's nothing great about the process. So, however, I think you can, through examining all those questions are great self-reflection questions and practical questions to assess whether you're in it for the right reasons. And I think that's really what we have to get to is, are we doing this to better our existence along with the rest of the family, including our ex, or are we doing this to get, to get some kind of reaction? And I remember um, I started in therapy immediately. And a question that my therapist asked me when I was still you know, toying, like he was still wanting us to reconcile um, after this affair and I didn't really want to. And 
but I was, I was still struggling with why, like I hadn't really understood the whole, I mean, the obvious, but why was I not willing to forgive this time? I had already forgiven one before. Um, and he asked me, he asked me that. And I said, well, I said, there's nothing about this marriage that I want anymore. Like I don't, our marriage isn't great. It hasn't been great for years. There's nothing worth fighting for. Last time I felt there was something worth fighting for. Mm. And he said, well, then the only question left that remains is, do you believe that he is capable of being the, the partner that you need him to be so that you would consider this marriage good? And I said, no. And he goes, well, there's your answer. And yeah. I thought that was, it was just such a good way for him to reframe it for me. Right. Because you know, do you believe that this, what you want out of your marriage, is it even possible? Do you believe it's even possible? I, I knew it wasn't. It's not what, it wasn't within his desired way of being let's put it that way <laughs> and you know I think if you go if you think about mis- making mistakes in relationships and marriages and even if you if you bring it down to infidelity there can be times when a mistake like that can be made is it a mistake it was a choice definitely but at the same time if it's a one-time thing I mean this is my opinion I know that everyone has their own opinion about this but I think that when you have a, a one-time affair it, there is possibility for you to come back from that because that is the crack that sometimes some marriages need in order to see what's not happening properly, to see what's broken and for them to be able to fix it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that when you then have this repeated behavior, then this is the pattern. You are, you know, it's like apologies. You can't apologize without changed behavior because it literally means nothing, right? It means nothing, exactly. An apology is changed behavior. So if there are opportunities for couples to rebuild after an affair, because that's just their way wake up call to, whoa, our relationship is vulnerable enough for it to be open and, and have a hole in it for someone else to come in. So what is this and how do we fix this? And lots of couples can, but when it happens again, of course, like I feel for you, you're like, well, (laughs) it's already happened. I've been through that down that path. And now it's happened again. What more can I possibly do? to prevent this from happening. I'm setting my boundary and saying, this is my bottom yeah. line here. I'm sorry, and but the journey back from an affair is, is not an easy one, like to learn to trust again and to put that pain behind you and, and to also address the reason the mm-hmm. other person had the affair, right? Like the, and we talked about this before, so we'll get into it now. An affair doesn't come out of a vacuum. It doesn't come out of a, a perfectly happy, mutually, mutually fulfilling relationship there is yeah. something that has broken down before that affair happens and and I'm not talking about like somebody had too much to drink and ended up making out with someone in the office copy room or whatever right. you know like just some kind of drunken mistake I'm talking about the deliberate effort to deceive and have a continued affair or relationship outside of the marriage yeah. and that's what happened to me twice that I know of mm-hmm. and they were long they were like over a year long both of them and that is a long time that is a deliberate there's a lot of lies there's a lot of lying and um and decisions to stay Mm -hmm. to continue Mm -hmm. the fair um so after the first one for me I made it very clear that I will never tolerate this again and of course there we were Um, and I didn't ultimately I that was the end but um I want to address or ask you some questions because you've agreed and so you had an affair Cindy and that was what ultimately caused the end of your marriage Um, and I start off by saying this because I know a lot of women who listen to this are actually um, you know they are getting divorced because their husbands had affairs that they might have even left them for this other woman the decisions get made in many different ways but Mm -hmm. I know this is a painful subject for many to listen to But what I always say to them as well, as much as I believe affairs are wrong, it's just a a poor choice to make to solve a problem. Uh, There are better ways to solve problems, but they don't happen in a vacuum. They don't happen out of a a completely happy situation. No one wakes up in the morning and goes, I think I'm going to have an affair today because it just feels like something fun to do. And I'm not trying to be trite or trivial about it, but I think sometimes as victims of an affair, to call it that, uh, as someone who has gone through the the betrayal side of it, there is a period of time when you're thinking like, you know, I was perfectly happy. I was blindsided by the affair. I was, you know, I'm so in love with this person. And that might all be true. Mm -hmm. There had to have been problems and signs that the other person wasn't quite as happy, potentially. So help me a little bit with the mindset 
around having an affair. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's funny because if I was to look back on my whole life, I mean, I was raised as this like perfect people pleasing little girl. You know, mm-hmm. I was a, I was a teacher's pet. I was always at the top of the class. I was the ch- captain of the cheerleading squad. I got every job I wanted. Like I was like literally like on the honor roll, got into university, like all the things. And I think a lot of like that stems back to being this perfect person for everyone else. Yeah. Um, and so I never thought in a million years, like affairs to me, I was like, no, I would never do that. And I would never be with someone who cheated on me either. Like end of story until I then get into my relationship with my ex-husband. And early on, I mean, well, let's just say part of the reason that I was attracted to him was that he was very charismatic. He was very flirty. He was really fun with like all the women. And he always had lots of women around him. Like he was quite a player when he was younger, but he chose me. And I think that was what also was like, oh, but he picked me. And so we then started this relationship, which then, which then ended, you know, led down to marriage. And even right from the very beginning, there were times when he would cross lines and boundaries for me from a a fidelity and discretionary point of view that other people were like, are you serious? Like, why would you even stay with him? Like there was one time early on in our relationship, we had just started living together. I was working at a restaurant and I usually called him when I got to the restaurant because he'd be getting home from work and I'd say, Hey, you know, what are you good? What are you doing for dinner tonight? You know, I'll see you whenever I get off anyways, call him. He's saying, I'm doing nothing for dinner tonight. So, you know, have a great time at work. I'll see you in bed. Well, that night I get off early and I decide not to tell him, but I was going to surprise him and bring home dessert and just have this early night. So I go to our apartment and I open the door and there he is having a candle at dinner with his ex-girlfriend at our dining room table. And just a couple hours before I was on the phone with him and he had no idea what he was doing for dinner, which was interesting because this ex-girlfriend didn't live in our city. So right there was like the first time where I was like, okay, red flag. And those red flags, because I handled it so coolly, like a cool girl that I was and not like trying to make that big deal of it. Because of course, you know, he was like, well, I didn't tell you because you'd make a big deal of it, quote unquote. So I didn't. And there I felt I set the stage for what was coming next. And over the course of our relationship and then into marriage, there were a number of indiscretions that I found and affairs that I discovered And I literally just swept them under the rug. I acknowledged them. He said that they would never happen again. I didn't even know what to do with it. By the time I was finding this out, we already had small kids and I didn't even have a clue how to address it. So by sweeping it under the rug, all the times I found out, I felt that that was my way of handling it then, but all it did was just eat away at me and my self-identity and who I was and really ate away at the respect and the love I had for him. Of course. So over time, when I felt like our relationship was falling apart, I started asking him, I'm like, we're struggling here. Like I, I'm not happy. I, you know, everything that continues to happen, I feel like I can't trust you. I feel like I'm a crazy person. You know, every time you go out of town, I'm just like always wondering like what's happening. And he's of course reassuring me that nothing's happening. We need to go to therapy. And he'd say, well, no, we're good. Like I, I'm promised nothing's happening. If you need to go to therapy, then maybe you should go to a therapist. But just by the way, I don't think you're crazy. So you don't have to go to a therapist. So it was like this underlying, you can go, but if you go, you're crazy. I'm going to think you're crazy. Yeah. And my family, you know, is not going to really, they don't think that therapy is really what we need. So every year, there was about five years before I left my marriage where every year I would say, you know, on my birthday and Christmas, he'd be like, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? I'd say, I'd like marriage counseling. And he would laugh and be like, no, seriously. I said, no, seriously, I do. We are falling apart and I don't know what to do about it. And I'm getting more and more unhappy. And over that time, I started drinking more and more. I started spending less and less time with him. And I feel like part of me was like, you know what? Screw you. Who do you think you are going, going out and getting all this attention from other women? What about me? And it wasn't until honestly, the fifth year where I had had enough, I had come, I had brought to his attention one more Gottman therapy weekend that I found for us as couples. Mm -hmm. And I felt like if I can't get him to sign up for this with me, then we're just done. I don't even know what to do. 
So I brought it to his attention. I say, I know that, you know, you're not really keen on this kind of stuff, but I found this amazing marriage counseling clinic in Seattle with the Gottmans and they are renowned for putting marriages back together. And I really want us to do this. And he took one look at me and we live in Vancouver and Seattle's a two hour, three hour drive away. He looks at me and goes, why would I go all the way to Seattle to save our marriage? And in that moment, I just felt completely, this is over. And I, and I, but I was terrified and the word divorce was sitting on the tip of my tongue, but I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And that to me opened the door of when I started looking outside of my marriage, not purposely, but it, it opened the door. It opened the crack of vulnerability. Yeah. And within the next couple of months, I had connected with someone outside my marriage and we just had this incredible instant connection that I thought, you know what, I'm going for it. I feel so empty in this. I'm just going to see where this goes. At no point did I ever have an intention of like creating a separate life, but I was so caught up in finally someone saw me. Finally, someone sees me for the value I think I have. They desire me. They hear me. They listen. They make me feel special. My heart is like fluttering for the first time than it has in, in years. Mm -hmm. It made me feel alive it probably lasted about a month before we got caught. And it's not like I was being very secretive about it at that point anymore either, because I honestly didn't even care at that point. Yeah, Was there, was there part of you that almost wanted to get caught so that the decision would be made for you? Uh, yeah, I, th I think yeah. so. Because it was almost like I had no courage to be able to say what I needed and to end it first. Because I was also, keep in mind, I was a stay-at-home mom. I had no access to family finances. I hadn't worked in 11 years. So I was pretty seriously financially dependent on my partner. Mm -hmm. We had a very affluent life. So me choosing that, yeah, would make everyone think I was totally crazy. Yeah. You're choosing to leave this? What's wrong with you? Yeah. So when my affair was discovered, it actually wasn't the crux of, of my marriage ending for my partner. It was, that was the moment that he actually wanted to go to therapy and work on our marriage. That was what triggered him into, okay, no, now I'm serious. And at that point I felt like I couldn't, yeah. I was so full of resentment and anger and almost disdain for him for just, for just you know, shooing me aside and now it's important to you now yeah. when you're actually taking me seriously that I'm leaving now you want me back or now you want to keep me, forget it. I'm actually taking this as an opportunity to leave and he wanted to work it out. So the affair was really not what he wanted to end it on. It was, it was my exit strategy. It was the way I was going yeah. to leave it and allow it to be my door to leaving that relationship. You know, it's interesting that you say that because not that my clients love me saying it, but I, and I've done some research on this and a lot of that research was actually done when I went through it myself. Why do men cheat, right? So of course that was my search because it was my husband that had cheated. But um, the thing that kept showing up and it still shows up and I do research on this to talk to people about it because I run masterclasses about this is the big the biggest reason men cheat which i'm sure is the same for women there's no reason it would be any different they're not happy they don't know men especially because of how they've been raised they are not in the environment they're not even in friendships or situations where it's easy for them to access their healing like they're not they're not going to sit down with a buddy and go oh, i just feel so empty and i just they're not going to have that conversation they don't even know how to have the conversation it makes them so uncomfortable that they just know they're unhappy they're not getting what they need and so they go out for the quick fix. They go out and have the affair. They feel again, just like you did. It feels good. They feel full. They feel love. They feel all the things. They want all the things that we want. They just don't know how to access it. And an affair is easier than the work that needs to be done. And I know you were willing to do the work, um, but it's, you know, it, they don't, people don't have, like I said in the beginning, I don't have an affair because of a vacuum like there's there's a reason and i think that we have to be willing to look at that reason if one's going to put it together but i also really like another thing you said and that's that you were done even though he was willing now to make the effort it was too little too late and i 
this is another thing that I'm also constantly saying to women that I that I coach on the decision is like you're allowed to be done. You're allowed to have just to have no try left in you. You might have spent five years trying to convince someone to go to counseling, to try to work harder, to change certain habits, to stop talking to you a certain way. And then when you finally mention the the, the divorce word, oh, now they're willing. Yeah. But you might feel done. And this is a struggle for a lot of them because suddenly it's like everyone's telling me, well, I should give it a try now that he's willing, but I'm done. And you're allowed to be done. You are. Yeah, you really you really are. And I had to I sat and struggled with that for yeah. a long time because what I was giving up, especially even in terms of a lifestyle standard was going to be significant. My life is not the same as it was, but I really had to go inside and look, what are my values? Mm -hmm. If money and all of this was making me happy, then I would be happy in this, but yeah. I'm not. So what is it that I'm missing? And for me, it's always been the emotional connection. And that is something that my ex and I struggled with deeply because he's not, he's a very emotionally vacant person. He has mm -hmm very low, low empathy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd be, I would be surprised if he wasn't diagnosed with narcissism, mm -hmm. but we can't get him into therapy to figure out, figure that out. But, um, <laughs> uh, I think too, when I look back, you know, a lot of my resentment towards him was also heavily weighted on all of his discretion indiscretions towards me. But as I have now discovered what it's like to be on the other side of that coin, I realize now too, that I was opening that up for him to have an affair as well. I was not being a very connected partner myself. I was focused entirely on my kids. I really didn't put a lot of energy and effort into my connection with him. I didn't like going out and leaving my kids with babysitters. And so that put a lot of strain on our marriage because I didn't, we didn't have date nights. I didn't want to go away. It, to me, the kids were hundred percent first because that's what was in my heart, but I didn't see how that was affecting my marriage. Cause he also didn't say anything about it. He yeah. just went and did his own thing instead of yeah. saying, Hey, I miss you. I want to connect with you. Those words never, ever came out of his mouth. And so he just went and found it other places. But the reality is, you know, we can't fill our, all the cups for our, for every relationship we have. We are not responsible as a single person to fill every single cup for someone, but we do have to be really open in terms of what cups am I filling? What cups am I not filling? And how are we getting those cups filled somewhere else? If it's not with me? Yeah, you know? no, that's, that's very true. That's a very good point. You know, it's, um, you know, you say, because I, if I was, when I reflected on my marriage as well, and why he had the, the two affairs that I'm aware of, and I remember an observation my sister made, not actually in connection with the affairs, but just in connection with me being unhappy in the marriage, which I was for a long time, was she said, you don't need anyone. You're so self-sufficient. You're so independent. And I had learned to be that because I felt I was like you, I was going to be the perfect wife. I was not going to be the nag. I wasn't going to be the one saying, no, you have to do this for me or do this for me. I wasn't going to be that person. Cause, and then he was just like you, it was very like, I love that you were not like that. And, you know, I just took pride in being this, this person who asked nothing of him, nothing. Mm -hmm. So I did yeah. everything by myself. And so when I did ask, I was generally met with, well, if you need me to do it, why don't like, instead of asking me, why don't you just do it yourself kind of a mentality? Like he, yeah. but I think he felt he had no real value in, in my life. And eventually he didn't, I really did learn to manage without for many years. So I think when he was suddenly confronted with a woman or confronted is the wrong word, but approached by a woman who admired him and thought he was just like, Oh my God, you're so incredible. He hadn't yeah. seen that from me in a long time. Cause I just didn't, he wasn't that person in my life. He did not fill any cups. I filled all yeah. of them. I filled all of his, and I filled all of my, well, I guess I didn't fill all of his, but I certainly filled all of my own. And, and uh, yeah, he wasn't needed. I didn't yeah. need anyone. And I do think people need to feel needed in some way, you know, like it matters that I'm here. And uh, he made comments over the years, like all I am around here is a paycheck. And I always said, no, you're a lot more than that, and which I meant. But in many ways, that is all he was to us. He allowed yeah. that to become the truth. And I allowed it to become the truth. Yeah, I so. completely agree with you. I think that at least in my case, and I know that for sure in my ex-husband's case as well, is that our affairs also stemmed from very low self-esteem where yeah. we were at. You know, he wasn't feeling feeling like 
the man he needed to be in this marriage. He was doing everything financially. Well, I shouldn't say he was actually our fa- our family was supported by his parents. So there in itself is like a, a massive place of shame that he couldn't yeah. even support his own family on his own and needed, you know, mom's support. So underlying, you know, as much as he would never admit that underlying, that's got to be a, a deep place of shame and insecurity. Yeah. Right. Sure. And so when I had my affair, you know, I was at the worst place of my life. I was, mm-hmm. I was so lacking so much self-esteem, so much self-worth that just finding someone who saw me for the first time I felt in a long time was all it took to have that emotional connection. And for me, it wasn't even like the physical part of it because that wasn't a necessarily a need. It was just to be connected to someone who paid attention yeah. to someone who looked into my eyes for God's sake. And like, you know what? And actually anything you read about why people have affairs is never about the sex. The sex is the part of what happens is because it's how people connect and that's where passions take us. But it is always about the connection. It's about them making you feel something that they weren't feeling. Um, I remember reading somewhere, I'll see if I can get it right. <laughs> uh, what they fall in or what you or whoever, what you fall in love with is being the person that they see you as. Mm. in a way so when you fall in love with someone who's falling in love with you they feel they see you as this perfect person and and they look at you with that kind of love and adoration and that feels wonderful Mm. for the person receiving it and I thought that makes sense I can I can accept that that is incredibly um enticing and attractive. Yeah. And it's, it's at that level of, of lust, because if we were truly going to connect and, and fall in love with someone, I think from my perspective now, I want to see where they struggle. I want to see their flaws and look at them in terms of like, Oh, are these flaws that I, I can live and grow mm-hmm. with because nobody is perfect. And in fact, I think that like, that's so, I often think that we, we hide behind that. And I remember my ex-husband always saying to me, you know, he'd come home from parties or work events or whatever. And he'd be like, Oh, you know, I feel so lucky to have you. And I'm like, why is it? Like, Cause everyone complains about how difficult their wife is. And you are like, not at all. You don't even give me a hard time about anything. Like you're like perfect. And I immediately thought, I mean, part of me was like, okay, I'm doing it right. And then the other part of me is like, Oh, fuck. Okay. I am making this so easy for him yeah. that I am literally sabotaging myself in this. And I'm, I'm, I'm looked at as a nothingness, no respect. You know, it's so interesting. You say that. So one of the books that I bought before my marriage ended, but it was actually coincidentally very close to the end. Like when I discovered the affair, but things were terribly wrong between us. He was already having an affair. And I, so we were terribly disconnected. I didn't know yet. And I remember I bought a book and I don't remember the exact name, but it was something like um, why, like why you have to be a bitch to get your husband to treat you better. Mm. And I was like, first of all, I have now with all the knowledge I have about coaching and how women are seen in this world. So I have so many issues with that title, but I won't go into those, but it was fundamentally <laughs> what it was saying was you're being too nice. That's what right. I was learning from this book. Being nice to your husband is not going to get you anywhere. And I was like, okay, so now I have to be not nice. Like I have to become that person I've spent the last 20 years. I was married for 20 years. I have to now try to become someone that I've really tried really hard not to be right. in order to get him to love me. And that's not fair. Like I remember thinking all these things. This book was literally telling me that you've just been too nice. In other words, it was my fault that right. he was treating me badly um you know definitely narcissistic as well and yeah. uh diagnosed by our therapist we did go to three therapy th- sessions together and <laughs> um i i was i learned what a narcissist is for the first time in my life i didn't even know that that like i'd heard the word but i thought that's belonged to some literary person yeah i didn't even know but it was um yeah i it was eye opening anyway yeah, it, it it very much is. And I think that, you know, affairs that ha- can happen once and you can build back from it because it could be the the thing that your marriage needs to get back on track. Mm-hmm. And then if they keep happening, then a lot of times it does have to do with the person itself. I know that for me, it, I did it because I was at a very low place in my life. I have grown and changed so much and know that that was something that I never want to do again. And I always say never say never. 
But you can say never when you've done something and you've experienced the consequence of that choice so much that you know you'll never do that again because mm-hmm. you have learned and gr- you've grown from it. And I feel like I'm a, such a different person to have gone through that and had that experience. But men and women, are, are I feel, are taken a little bit differently. Women tend to protect their husbands and their families at all costs when they find out that there's been an affair infidelity. We will probably cover up so many indiscretions because we're doing it to protect him, to protect his his reputation, to protect the reputation of the family. And, and so ourselves. We, and, yep, and ourselves because it's embarrassing to find out that someone you know cheated on you. Mm-hmm. And when you flip the tables... And the woman is the one to cheat on the man. God, heaven forbid, the world is over. She's a slut. She's a bitch. She's a horrible mother. She's she's crazy and out of her mind. There is zero protecting of the woman in this case because mm-hmm. now the husband is trying to to maintain his reputation that he well he's actually protecting protect himself. himself. Yes, this is not his fault. He did not fail in any way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my ex husbands still cannot accept responsibility for our relationship as it was on clearly crumbling for why I stepped out. And he doesn't equate much of his to mine, which is so bizarre because they were all very similar, but. Well, that's very narcissistic in itself. <laughs> not. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, what about, what about you, but what about you? Right. Kind of thing. <laughs> when I, um, I was told that the affair was irrelevant. <laughs> He was very shocked that I was choosing the end to end our family, as he put it, and to upend our family and hurt the boys. And his his remark to me was literally, the affair is irrelevant. You're the one choosing to break up this family. So I was like, yeah, you're right. I have chosen to not tolerate your affairs any longer. And I am choosing to end this end this marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I guess just simply for for good measure and and uh I hope you don't mind me doing this, but yes, I, I know that you take responsibility for what you did and that it was a choice that you made. Nobody made you do it and that you don't think it was the right thing to do as much as you, you know, you needed it at the time, but there's no circumstance under which it is right. Oh, no, no, I I don't think like, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who said, oh yeah, having an affair is, is, is okay. It's, it's an okay thing to do. It's not, it's not on any level an okay thing to do. And there's a reason that it's happening that goes far deeper, you know, for people. And I think that if you can identify that you are even thinking about having an affair, there's some work that needs to be done prior to that, because also what it does when your marriage ends is it's just going to signify that was why it ended. And that's not why it ended. Yeah, You did not end because of that affair. Maybe that's why you chose it to be over by then, but that's not what got you here. Because if you're really happy in a relationship, and I think anyone out there who is really happy in their relationship, they know full well, they would never just go and have an affair on this because mm-hmm. they don't want to lose it. Yeah, But when you're getting to the place where you don't really care about losing this anymore yeah but you yes. don't have the skills you don't have the strategies you don't have the support the self-esteem whatever it is sometimes we choose to explode things so that it will just explode yeah. for us you know yeah. and not have to do the hard things yeah absolutely and then, and then have to deal with the consequences afterwards and unfortunately yeah. that was my my path that was my doing i I wish I would have done things differently. I would have left prior, but I was far too scared to even go there. And you know, mm-hmm. when you're having an affair as well, there is no real definiteness with that necessarily. It's like, this isn't about my marriage isn't ending because I necessarily want to be and start a life with this person. This is because I need to feel something in my marriage that I have not been feeling. And a lot of times with women who have an affair, I also work with many of them it's the first time that they feel alive and Mm -hmm. this affair brings spark and energy back into their soul that gives them some motivation and drive to, okay, you know what? I do have more in me. I am worth more than my husband is giving me. I know there's better out there than he's telling me. I'm dreaming if I think that there's better than him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this is the wake up call for the woman in the marriage to say, hey, you stop staying stuck. This is your ticket to there is more out there. And they say the grass is always greener than, but it's greener where you water it. So if it's not green where you are, it's because not being watered. Mm -hmm. 
maybe and once you can't you water it all by yourself either. You can't. You do no. need two people doing the work. And it's, yeah, you know, it's affairs are, I, you know, even when I described the end of ours, you know, why did my marriage end? An affair triggered the end. Mm-hmm. It was, it was what finally broke it. But was it already broken? Yes. It was mm-hmm. already falling apart. It was, but that was the thing that pushed it over the edge. Yeah. So it's not, it didn't, that affair didn't come out of nowhere and it didn't, it wasn't the only thing that was bad. Let's put it that way. It was just the thing that went, you know what, this just isn't, this is done now. We're done here. Yeah. And, and it's such a great learning opportunity moving forward to, to yeah. also set the stage for a new relationship. Because when I entered a new relationship, you know, after divorce, it was, the foundation was very clear in terms of those conversations right away. You know, here's what I feel where I stand when it comes to affairs. Here's where I, where I feel if we ever get to a point where, oh my gosh, I'm being tempted outside this marriage exactly. or I'm weighed, or I, I, I actually like, I feel like I'm getting close to crossing a line. Let's have that conversation yeah. because I'm not going to hate you because I know that life happens and I know that there's obviously something that we're both contributing to. And if I love you enough, I'm going to fix this with you to make sure mm-hmm. that we stay safe. Yeah. But that keep in mind, we're also all human and there's a difference between chemistry and compatibility. And you're going to find chemistry in your life all the time. There's going to be like a really, you know, attractive guy at the car dealership that you're going to feel chemistry with. There's going to be a That's really okay. beautiful woman at the... Yeah, at the barbershop or wherever that you're going to feel attracted to. The difference is, is when you don't cross that line, right? And when you have what you need and you're in the relationship that's respectful and kind and loving, then the line isn't, it's not even so close to you that you can see it. Like you might see a good looking person, you know, somebody you're attracted to, but it's like, yeah, but no. You know, you wouldn't cross over it. And then if you did, then you be very clear in your relationship and say, this line is ever crossed. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to stay in this relationship with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an ultimatum, but it's not an ultimatum. It's my, it's my bottom line boundary here. Like this is what it takes for me to, to no longer be willing to commit to this relationship with you. And yeah. I think if you have those hard, but really open and vulnerable conversations, those actually bring you together. Yes. And- Cause you learn about each other. Yeah. And allows you to give it a chance to say, oh my gosh, like there is vulnerability in this relationship. Mm -hmm. Let's get closer and make sure that those holes aren't wide enough for anyone else to, to penetrate what we are trying to build. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like we could have a whole other conversation just about that. Um, (laughs) Before we wrap up, I just want to bring it around to, to sort of the beginning and what we talked about throughout, but when one's contemplating ending a marriage and that, it doesn't have to be an affair. There doesn't have to be abuse and there doesn't have to be some horrible incident for someone to feel so unfulfilled and so unhappy that they need to leave. And I think it's important that that our, my listeners and that everyone understands that if you're even thinking about divorce, there probably is a real reason for it. And the, the questions that you gave us early in the episode are so valuable in helping someone kind of go through that to gain that personal understanding of why they're doing it and why they're choosing this and is it the right decision? Um, And that it's also possible to want to divorce someone who isn't an awful human being. You know, I think, again, a lot of women stay very unhappy, very unsatisfied because the one they're married to is not a bad person. It's just not their person anymore. That, that, That has been lost somewhere over the years. And, you know, do you have any parting words for, those people are sitting there in that place. Yeah, I do. I think that, you know, we can, we can get to this place where we have done a lot of evolving and changing, and sometimes we can evolve in two different directions. And Mm -hmm. it's really about, we all think that love is enough, right? But it's not enough. What has to happen is, is this deeper sense of, I can grow in my future with this person. Yeah. And honestly, there doesn't have to be anything wrong with this person for them just to be the wrong person for you in this yeah. next chapter of your life. And that is okay. Imagine liberating them to find the love that they actually deserve, who wants to be able to give them everything that they need. You know, I see a lot of times women say, well, I don't want to hurt them. But my response is, well, aren't you already hurting them, staying and not loving them like they deserve exactly. to be loved? Yes. You know? Yes. And you're hurting yourself. They're not getting all sure. of you either. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're hurting both of you. And to me, sometimes when a relationship has truly run its course, it's about someone needs to be create courageous enough to liberate two people to yeah. move on to better lives. Yes. And it's sometimes it is simply that your time together is done. Maybe you're the only thing these two people were supposed to do together was um, create beautiful children and, and have a few years of raising them. And then they were not meant to be together any longer than that. That is the extent of their purpose together. And I, I think sometimes we, well, we just attach so much negativity to the prospect of ending a marriage and that we are somehow upending everyone's life in a horrible way. And for such incredibly selfish reasons, like our, our true happiness, which is not selfish at all, but you know, it's, Yes. So I think we can get really caught up in that. So I think this has been a, a really valuable conversation. I've so enjoyed this. Like I said, I feel like we can talk forever about this, but um, really appreciate your insight and your openness about your own situation. Um, I think it's important to learn from everything that we can share with people from our own experience when we're in this position of talking to women or people who are very in the middle of a very difficult decision. So Thank you. Thank you for your time today, Cindy. I really appreciate it. And before we go, um, I know you have something you wanted to, uh, that I'm going to link below that you wanted to provide or some, um, yes, go on. I'll let you take Yes. Over. I just want to give you guys a free, um, my checklist that I give to every, every client coming in. It's a, it's a 20 question therapist approved relationship inventory that I have a lot of people who are on the fence, take a really good look at where their relationship is at and how to pinpoint some of the holes that, that can be happening. It either gives you idea into what needs to be worked on, or if your relationship is, you know, is it true, truly too good to leave or is it not good enough to stay? So yeah. I will give that link to you and then you can share that with your viewers. Wonderful. I appreciate that. And also Cindy's social media links will be below and her website. Um, so you can learn more about the work she does, but thank you so much for being here with oh, me today. You. And like I said, for sharing so openly, um, with all of us, my pleasure. Thank you, Elizabeth. It was great being here. It was really nice. Thank you. It was really wonderful to chat with Cindy, uh, and really kind of get into the decisions and the feelings and all the things that go around when we're making a decision as big as whether or not to end our marriage and all the other decisions that can be made throughout, you know, with regards to parenting. She certainly has some stories to tell. And like I said, I just find it so valuable for all of you to hear from other professionals as well, not just me. But if there's one thing that I really want you to take away from this episode is that everybody's story is different and everybody's uh, perspective on things is different, including there's a difference between how you feel and your your partner or your soon-to-be ex or whatever role they have in your life now. And I find it so interesting sometimes how we will hire specialists to help us with things like our car. We hire a mechanic. We would never think of fixing our car without one. We would never try to fix the plumbing in our bathroom without a plumber. And we call an electrician to fix our electricity or electrical issues. But when it comes to our own personal well-being, our, you know, big decisions like marriage and what to do through a divorce, for some reason, especially women are so reluctant to put out any money or really to hire someone to help. It's almost like, and I, in fact, I'm sure that this exists among men as well. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that it's just women, that there's such a reluctance to, to, admitting, if you will, that you need help to make these decisions. You know, these are big things. And I, I know when I went through it, even just hearing myself talk to a professional, and because I was with my coach, I felt so much more open to share a lot of the things I was feeling than I sometimes felt with my friends who didn't necessarily truly understand. Plus, they had sort of an emotional attachment to my outcome as well, whereas, of course, a therapist or coach doesn't. So I would really encourage you, if you take nothing else away from this episode, is to hire someone to help you as you're making the decision and as you're going through the divorce and making all the decisions that you have to make then, both for yourself and your family, and just to work on your healing. You know, I, I worked with my therapist and coach for a year. It was instrumental in me going on the journey of self-discovery and finding my joy that I went on. 
And I want that for you as well, which is really the work that I do here in the Separation Club. So having said all that, I will include um, how you can reach me or how you can work with me if you'd like to in all the many different ways that I work with my clients through coaching and retreats. Um, there are so many different ways and uh, I'll be resuming master classes very soon as well. But I really hope to hear from you. Take a moment and ask yourself what you need help with. What is it that feels especially difficult? Where is it that you feel so stuck? Where would you like to be? How would you like to feel? And who would be the best person to help you get there? And then see where you come come out, like where you land, where you feel that that could help you. And then once you find that person, and if it's me, I'd love to work with you. But if it's someone else, that's great. You just find the person that's right for you. And then get on with your life and get on with being happy, right? Okay. Thank you for being here with us today. And I'll be back with another episode next week.